Uh, we are playing sax. Steve, Steve, I'll replace all my 40k time with playing trombone, and you can replace your 40k time with playing saxophone, and we could be up. Start a jazz band. <laughs> I have it still. Oh, do you want to see what the read, what color it might be? Uh, dude, do not put that in your mouth. Oh, I'm gonna put it in my mouth right after I soak in isopropyl alcohol. <laughs> you mean the hobby that you can't do? <laughs> Steve's got saxophone. You know what I just heard in my head the first two notes? Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a new way to make Mike cry. Sad saxophone. No, 40 k is not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next week I'm bringing a trombone. Okay, we're gonna make beautiful music. <laughs> oh god. And I will make sure that I do not play it. Just do nothing like this. <laughs> Back and forth. Bum, 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 <laughs> and I'll try and make notes. <laughs> be our, uh, Steve, Steve, Steve. <laughs> we'll be an avant garde jazz band. <laughs> okay, sorry, I'll put this down. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll wow. keep it together. Okay, after 18 minutes of what will probably be entirely cut, welcome to another episode of Hibernate in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me as always are... Dan. Ward. Mike. Steve. And remember, Ward, it's Sharks. Sharks. But I can't call myself that. Like, yeah, you I can't can. give myself a nickname. No, well, you did we it. Heard we gave you the nickname. You are just now Sharks. This is done and over with. <laughs> Alright, whatever. <laughs> okay, so this is going to be a very special onslaught episode of Hobbynate in Canada because, well, fuck it, we all just played an onslaught. Not we me. have an onslaught of information for you. I did not play. <sighs> Do I need to play the saxophone again? <laughs> yes. No, no, no. Maybe? No. no. Okay, well, Ward didn't play it, but he ran. Mike, did you play in any of the events? <clears throat> I did, dystopian wars. Oh, cool. Really? You, you didn't see me going up and get the... Oh, wow. Was he wasn't there, it was on the first day. Yeah, I was there on Sunday. Uh, okay, yep. you're lucky then. Yeah. Yes, me too. I played in 40k. Tom, what do you play in? I played in Malifaux. Shocking. I played in X-Wing. Didn't see that one coming. Nope, Equally as shocking, <laughs> if not more. <laughs> so, uh, I guess we'll start with the Saturday with uh, me and you. So you played in Dystopian. How many players were there? There were only six players. No. So it's actually better? It's better Is that than better? Like, no, last time was, was six as well. No, no. Oh. It was the time before that yeah. one was four. There was four, that was there really was four last time. Was it only six. four? Yeah. Oh. So it's growing. It's we're getting there. Leaps and bounds. <laughs> Hell, fifty percent extra. Well, it certainly <laughs> wasn't a shower. Leaps and bounds. How'd you do? How are your games? Uh, I did okay, but I mean, you got to consider it was only six people, so I placed third and third, and I got best presentation. So yeah. That's nice. Bad. Well, time. That's, that's pretty solidly good. above average. That's yeah. true. I will. I will confirm his uh, statement there. Yeah. Yes. Third best general. Nice. <laughs> Third best sport and best presentation. Nice. I so I got a trophy. Did you get a trophy, Steve? Nope, I didn't. I played in 40K. and No I, surprises there. Exactly. I managed to stomp my first two opponents in unfun games. Actually, I played Dave, Dave Bibby in my first game, and he had some of the most atrocious luck I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, and you played Tom before. It was actually incredible how poorly Real? he rolled. Like worse than some of my games? 
arguably. Like, he had uh, eight, nine melted guns shooting at a night and did nothing. And I didn't roll a save. Like, he failed to hit or pen. And everything was within six inches. Oh. Like, that kind of turn where things just nothing works like oh and then i run in blow up his uh storm sword or whatever the hell that transporty main blade thing is everybody inside dies because it's apparently when you blow up a super heavy it's strength 10 ap1 and everybody inside oh, that's oh my a problem so it's just like oh there's 30 guys just dead <laughs> <laughs> it was like okay i guess i guess i win question mark i played a necron player um running the reanimation legion with the decurion shenanigans stuff, was it the so. guy with like the disco monolith no. No, he didn't no. make it at the time. Oh, okay. Um, it was, I think, one of his first tournaments, this guy, and he did not know how Knight Adlance works, and he, I just stomped on his race, literally, and then it kind of fell apart. Um, okay. Then my third game, I got tabled by top of two, thanks to um, Wes Pauly, who managed to, our ordnance and artillery meet completely to death. One of the worst tablings I've ever experienced with what I consider to be one of the hardest lists I've ever brought. It was pretty rock, paper, scissors. Apparently, when you have ordinance, you just win. So, And oh. then, uh, since I was kind of at that point in time out of the running, I took the bye because you had an odd number show up late, and I had to head down to Calgary, so it worked out really well. So, thanks, Wes, for run- ruining my tournament run. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Sunday. Sunday, fun day. Uh, well, in Malifaux, uh, I got four games in. Ended up going 3-1. and one. With, like, a stupid differential, because the three games that I did win were just staggering. Um, it was like, actually, and we figured out the, one of the games should have been 10-3, not 10-4. So I had a 10-3, a 10-3, and a 10-1. <laughs> I assume those are good. Well, it's like victory points, right? <laughs> it's like ITC kind of points. You get max 10. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Well, 10 out of 10 is not bad, then. Yeah. Yeah, and then the one game I lost, we Why, why weren't they all 10 zeros? You could have done better. <laughs> really, man. Yeah, you know, it's true. I could have done better. And the one game I lost, we didn't get a chance to play till the end of turn the end of the game. Like we were done okay. after turn gotcha. four instead of turn five, so but it was against a good player and he had better flips than I did, so uh how many how many backflips did you do? Uh at least four. Did you do any misty flips? Uh is that something that'll make Mike cry? No, no, misty flip is a ski thing. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> it, I, we could Google it. No, nope, we're done. I think, it's no. I, I I think no. we've all realized that no. it's a terrible thing to do. I was okay. thinking something like Pokemon. Ooh, like Misty. Charizard. <laughs> Charizarding. Oh. <laughs> okay. Before we go, okay, all right, all right. Catatonic. So, the moral of the story is it ended up coming in second, um, which was good. And then, oh my god, Steve, what did you do? <laughs> what the hell is that? It could be good. <laughs> Steve just mixed... Uh, beer into his amaretto and cranberry juice. Surprisingly tasty. Is <laughs> it a bit of carbonation? Want to try it? It's like a shandy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh my goodness. Holy shit! It's not bad, hey? Yeah, actually, I'm apparently doing the same thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is getting weird. All right. No, anyway, so this might be the hobby night. Oh. Beer and amaretto and cranberry. I still think it should just be isopropyl alcohol. Just be we could, like we could mix a little in. something that will literally make you blind. Do, do you want we? I got lager then. Or you want to try? It? <laughs> no, lager thinner is probably even better. You go first, Steve. Just because you hate your elder doesn't mean you can commit. Okay, we'll suicide. talk about it later. Okay, continue on. Um, and I ended up coming in second for presentation behind Dana, who had a great looking crew. I assume uh, it's Dana Carvey. Yes. He made his world fame. He made yeah. it down finally. Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yep. I'm going to play the saxophone. He'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, and because he had a great looking crew. And uh, That's so I've got to. how you win. Yeah, so I've been now. It's 
motivated to paint up some new plastics and not just use the same metals that I've had for every tournament for the last like two years. Nice, so, it's good because you were talking about because you got warditis now all the time. I got warditis and I'm coming for you, Dana. But he's gonna make me work for it because I actually look really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing I was like about Malifaux and Ward probably hated about Malifaux. There's a lot of good looking crews. It was the toughest one to judge for painting. Me and Mike walked around for a while. So. Yeah, and we were we, then in the end, it was still like, oh, what about these five? We we got it down to five guys. I heard. Dana's, Wait, that's not good. <laughs> Dana's presentation too, like in terms of, uh, I didn't actually see his army, so I can't speak to like the the actual individual painting ability, but. His presentation, he had, like, the crazy floating display board yes. you were saying. Yeah. Yes. Huh. He really went over the top with that. Yep, absolutely. Like. So, that, was, yeah. that was a good part of his presentation. Yeah, when you're talking about presentation, it's not a painting contest in individual models, so that makes sense. Neat. Yeah, absolutely. So that was pretty sweet. Um, and who won Best Sport? Was it Kieran? Uh, give me two seconds and I can tell you. Oh, you can't remember? Oh, he's going to be hurt now. Because Marty won... Uh, Best like the first yeah. place for the tournament, and I think it was Kieran Dunleavy won best sport. That is correct. I confirm. Nice, yay for confirmation. That's mm-hmm. surprising because Kieran's usually such an ass. Oh fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Wow, that was a <laughs> small amount of sarcasm. <laughs> Tons. Uh, he's, he's a rad dude. Um, but it was really cool too because we had twelve players out for it. And a lot of the Malifaux events we run are typically around 10 players, so we are actually getting growth. And, fuck, I think Out of the Basement in July, which will be the 11th and 12th, uh, is we're hoping for maybe even 16 Malifaux players. I bought enough mats that we can do 16. So You can probably do a lot more than 16, I'm guessing, if you really put your mind to it. It's true. I could tape up some more mats or whatever. Or, and they can play in space. It'll be fine. <laughs> Ward has enough mats, we could have a fight with the rolled up mats and still have enough people to play. That's true. Yeah, it's quite a large brawl, in fact. Maybe we should do that. The moral of the story for me is it was a great weekend. Uh, I was the bridesmaid instead of the bride for multiple categories, but uh, this way it's not just Ward that has that feeling all the time. Spreading the wealth, I guess. (laughs) Dan, what about you? Well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I played X-Wing, which is a shock to everyone out in internet land, I'm sure. But uh, it was actually pretty fun. We were playing at um, 125 points is the format that Ward runs, just for something a little different. Mixes it up. And it was definitely pretty cool. You saw some definitely interesting builds, things that you obviously can't fit into 100 points. Like, uh, the list I took was um, Dash Randar. And uh, so he had a fairly standard uh, kit out, but he had a Mangler Cannon instead of the Heavy Laser. And I took Jan Orris for her ability to, like, um, give extra attack dice to friends in range. And uh, the other ship was uh, Tycho. So he's the, you know, crazy A-wing pilot that can take stress and still do actions. And it's kind of fun racking him up to, like, seven or eight stress sometimes by the end of the game. And he just doesn't care. doesn't slow down. But um, that list was really fun. And, uh, yeah, ended up picking up steam over the first three games where I barely won the first game. Then won pretty solidly for the second and then very solidly for the third. And I uh, did end up losing out on the top table, though. Ran into a list that had a lot of stress and ion control, and, uh, you know, just really shut down. All my ships stressed themselves out to get all their actions and abilities. And so when people are layering extra stress from, like, B-Wings with tacticians and hitting you with ion cannons, so you can't do any green moves to get rid of the stress. So, yeah, it was pretty challenging. I thought I was doing better than expected for a while, but towards the end, it all did start to all fall apart, and uh, so I... I think I ended up with the three and one record out of the ten players. I was somewhere in the like third or fourth for record because the first game was very close, so my margin of victory wasn't particularly good. 
But um, yeah, so did three and one for the uh, for the battle score, and uh, I was one of two people who painted ships this time, so I got in the top two. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But uh, Paul Leroux painted all three of his ships, where I only painted two of mine. And Paul's actually looked really good too. His were all three uh, bounty hunter ships. So there was one was like painted like Cascar lit, and one was painted like uh, um, I think one was Crassus Trellix, and I think one might have been Boba Fett. I think so, yeah. But yeah, so. so it was really cool having them, and because he was just running them as generic Mandalorians for the most part, but like you could actually like tell which one was which because they had the different distinct and uh, notable color schemes. So yeah, they looked really good, and he definitely earned his uh, best presentation there. And uh, I ended up walking away with the best sportsman, and Chicago just ended up walking away with a goal. Nice. nice. Gee, suck it, doobie. Wait, <laughs> what, what do you mean? Never mind. He's no longer with Nashville. That was a failed experiment. He's in with Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, relevant. Okay, moving on. Sorry, I'm distracted because I just posted the picture of this very kind of the Hobby Day in Canada page, asking people to see what they think is in it in the glass. So we'll see. By the end of the episode, there may or may not be someone that has accurately guessed what is in this glass. Well, at least the picture doesn't look like a butthole. So we're making progress. We're slowly like getting classier. It's it's red. That ties into some of the tonight's content. Absolutely. And yeah. it's it's got a lot of booze. Well, I didn't see it's about invented. It's invented, so nobody can claim that we stole it from someone. Yeah, you did just sort of start pouring shit into the glass. I randomly, think this can so. be a hobby. Dan, this can be the hobby night. I don't like the ingredients. Just <laughs> give it a sip. Should we order an HNC at the bar and see what happens? That's weird tasting. I don't like it. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> try it with the beer. This is good podcasting, I, by the I way. I like how you got scared. Wow, that's a pretty scrunched up face. You it's got not horrible. <laughs> I do not do not approve. How I, many saxophones? I think you add. I think you add <laughs> four saxophone shoots out of five. I'm not going to actually do that because no one wants to hear that. I'm not going to. All well, right. Um, yeah, no, the tournament flowed uh, really smoothly over the weekend. We had 63 players on Saturday <laughs> and oh my goodness, and 54 <laughs> players on the Sunday. So <laughs> That's awesome. Tom is getting some results. The first guess for what's in the drink is hilarious but not necessarily accurate. <laughs> it's goatsy blood. <laughs> oh. I like that. <laughs> that was fast. Yeah, Thank you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, but to kind of go over some of the winners, uh, 40K uh, breast presentation was Jeff S. <laughs> breast, breast, breast presentation. That's why I didn't win. <laughs> you should laugh. That's how you get best sportsmanship. Is <laughs> breast presentation. <laughs> Your tits aren't big enough, Steve. Jeff Sorry. F. Jeff S. came in for best presentation. Uh, Michael F. for best sport. And Wes Pauly for best general. Not surprised. Uh, so yeah, he tends to win things. Yeah, so that all went to uh, ITC results are now in as well. So they've got all that updated on their end, which is awesome. Um, what else did we play on the War Machines Saturday? War Machine it was War Machine, but I'm gonna go to Dystopian War since I have that screen open. Oh, so best presentation was uh, Mr. Michael Sawat. Uh, best sport was Rob M, and best general was Scott M. 
So all right, Rob right was on. Rob was really excited by that. By the way, so he wanted a class trophy really bad. Did he? Yeah. Oh yeah, I got messages after the event. He's like, "Yeah, thank you." I was like, "Hey, no, you were you won it." So, uh, War Machine best presentation was Jeremy B uh, with his trolls. Uh, best sport was Sean W, and best general was Gord W. So lots of W's there. Wow! Gord W got a lot of W's. Yeah, we got that. <laughs> w. He won a lot. In case you weren't yes, sure. Yes, very yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, exactly happened, Steve. He he got more points. He put more touchbacks in the field goal zone. Was his compete level higher than everyone else's? <laughs> Take it one game at a time. Give it 110%. I think but it was a up. team effort for all the models. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was for sure. <laughs> you just got to keep chipping away. On the Sunday. Uh, Sunday, Sunday. Fantasy. Uh, best presentation was Mike D. Uh, best sport was Matt L. And best general was Mitch B. Cool. I know Matt Lau. You, He's a good guy. You do. <laughs> good name drop. Very, very true. Wow. He's an all right guy. He's <laughs> from uh, Calgary, though. Yeah. First event for Infinity. <laughs> we had uh, eight players out for eight? Infinity. Yeah. Nice. Oh, I would have thought it would have been like two. No, no. Eight is a surprise. <laughs> well, the wow. first Infinity event that we ran had 12 with a waiting list. No way. Way. Infinity actually just went up uh, a couple more notches than it already was. There you go. Yeah, no, we had eight, eight guys out, which was awesome. Um, so best presentation was Aaron B. Uh, best sport was Aaron Van B. <laughs> and best general was Matt C. So yeah, I was no. really hoping it was another Aaron. Aaron Van C. It was there, there was two Matts and two Aarons out of the eight players. So yikes! I was just like, make sure you put your uh, last initial, please. And uh, yeah, that worked out good. But the real question is, how good can all of those people play saxophone? Mm, probably not as good as you. That's true. Ooh, I don't know if I take that bet right now. <laughs> yeah, it's probably pretty even. Probably pretty probably even. Probably as far as you think, Mord. Uh, Sunday also saw Malifaux, which Tom played in. Uh, 12 players out for that. So uh, best presentation was Dana S. Best sport was Kieran D. And best general was Marty G. And the last game that we had on the Sunday was X-Wing. The best game. So best presentation went to Paul LaRue. Uh, best sport went to Mr. Dan Beyer here. And best general was Brad Smith, who smashed Dan in the last game. He crushed me. <laughs> How bad was it? Um, I'm trying to think in points. I can't remember what I killed of his stuff. I think it was somewhere along the lines of 125 to, like, 60. That's not that bad. Yeah, I killed several of his ships, which... Is better than no ships. We had very an- analogous weekends. We both came in second for painting and both lost to the top general. Yeah, that's exactly me. Really? Yeah. That too? Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. It's a hobby night was a lot of seconds. Mm. Except I got best sport. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got class too. Yeah, so yeah well, it's actually Mike's, kind of Mike's just better than us. We know this. I now have one. Yeah. Of, I now have one of each of the X-wing trophies from Onslaught events. So. Oh, dude! Nice. Like the, yeah, I've got general presentation and sportsmanship, so that's oh. cool. I need a general because I've got sport and presentation for Well, try not sucking. You could do better. <laughs> Win games, man. It'll be fine. <laughs> wow! And that's coming from your best sportsman winner. <laughs> well, fuck you, man. The only reason I didn't play War Machine is because I had to deal with a dead relative. Okay, don't oh. drop your <laughs> Don't count. 
Okay. So let's move on to the meat and potatoes of this this ep- this episode. Okay. So in honor of Admech and New Eldar, we are gonna bring back uh, a hobby break cut topic, which we haven't really had a real hobby break in a while. No. I feel. So we're gonna do another paint color discussion, which is gonna be red, because Admech red, Eldar red, and the drink we currently have also oh, red. red. Speaking of drinks, my Slurpee is also red. Mm. Oh shit, and you've got hot tamales. You need to get topped up. Oh, that's actually true. Oh, Mike. That was a yearly amount of red. I'm just helping you. Holy cow. You drank that before all the ice melted. That is amazing. (laughs) Do you know me? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get into this later, but Steve's really sad today. (laughs) Yeah, we'll talk about this at the end of the episode, where you can shut it off if you don't want to hear any any of my carping. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into this. Let's talk about what you could do to do a basic level red, or if a very basic red is even something that's advisable. So could you, in three steps or less, do a convincing red? No. Could you, would you, paint some red? No, so here's the first <laughs> thing. Well, let's let's give three everyone steps? a chance to say yes. Three steps or then could be three done? Three could be done. If two little steps are airbrush and one of them is squig orange, <laughs> basic, yes. basic red, though. But if you don't have three steps. airbrushing, I consider most people to be still an advanced technique because they don't have the tools. Fair enough. Stick, yes, I'd, I'd say stick with brushwork for now. So the thing is, is if you want to do red, you have to pick a tone that you're going to go with. Uh, like, for example, a uh, bright Samhain list is very, very different than a Berserker. There's, yep. Those are arguably two different colors. Like a crimson red versus a... Scab red. Because I don't know what the new. No, no, it would be. (laughs) I'm trying to think of like a fire engine red, like brighter red, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Think Mm -hmm. of it in in other terms, Steve. Come on. I can't. I literally only know colors in GW's. Well, there's the red, like the sweater behind Mike, which everyone listening can see. Great podcast. (laughs) Yes, yes, that is. Uh, No, but seriously, does anyone have any thoughts for how you could do a three-step red without an airbrush? For that, it would be putting in like the solid base coat depending well I prime everything black so it would be anti-lighting only if you did that that's yeah that, that's that, a big that, thing. that, that would be I would argue that you would do a white prime and then you would well I assume the base coat is doesn't count as one of the three steps because no. you're really running out no, of No but you need quickly. you need your yeah. you need your base coat to set up your red because if you're gonna do but three I hate white primer, I hate white primer. <laughs> so try painting try painting three stages of red through Sam Hine. But you painted that infinity with black primer. Yes, I did. It wasn't three stages. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, well, I mean, if you and do, if anybody mul- claims it was, listen, fuck off. listen. If you do, <laughs> if you do multiple coats of the same color, that's still one stage. That's true. Okay, well then, if that's the case, <laughs> do everything from black because it's better. Yes. And have your paint be ten layers thick. There you go. Yep. Just do a million layers of scorn red, and then a wash. I think we've and also then squig orange. I think we've done. already answered our question though. Is that a basic technique when you're doing like no, juice layers across things? I wasn't talking about juicing. I just said do a million layers of scorn red, and then do a wash, and then do squig orange. What's the wash? Uh, depending on what tone you're going for, you could use any kind of like red, purple, brown, black, or a mix. Like, kind of depends on how the other colors mix in. I personally like mixing my washes, like mixing the red and the black, or the red and the brown, or the red and the purple, so you get um, a little bit more. Sure. Purple. Purple. My purple purples. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like I, I do think you can get a very serviceable red in those three layers. Yeah, like, I, it wouldn't be necessarily winning a painting contest, but it wouldn't look bad either. So are you squig orange is the best, and it makes everything work. Well, you are also you have to depend on what you're doing. Highlighting squig orange. Yes. Yes. Okay. So it'd be a basic base coat, and then some little bit of shading from the wash, 
And, and then you edge highlight and you're done. Squig orange is the kind of orangey with a bit it is, of brown. It's the slightly it, right? like, um, as it's, you know, squig orange, it's kind of like a reddish, orangish, fleshy kind of hybrid color. Almost like it'd be used on a squig's flesh. Exactly. So it is It is a hard one to describe because it is a mix of three or four different shades, but it's a very, like, earthy, natural, awesome looking orange that's not, like, beating you over the head for being so stark and bright. Like, and it covers really well, too. It does cover surprisingly well. I just think it's a really solid color. And doing an edge highlight of that over the P3 score in red, or what would the GW equivalent be like? Um, um red? I can't remember. I, I don't have many of the current Steve range Steve should have some reds. <laughs> really? Steve should have some reds. They never even go back in my paint tray. <laughs> Let's see. Mephisto? Scorn red would be somewhere around Wazdaka red. Well, Maybe oh, corn red. Oh, corn oh and red now we have the Vallejo Airs coming out. Holy shit. <laughs> Steve has like a thousand colors of red. It's kind of ridiculous. Okay. And it's still coming out of the woodwork. So let's just clarify the exact <laughs> process on this for people at home. Yeah, so what you're doing is you're doing a base coat of the Scorn Red or Wazdaker Red. Yeah, something that's a that little kind of like a less. It's a slightly darker than like your typical like blood red or whatever. It's a little bit darker. Like yeah, yeah. okay. And then when you're doing the shade, um, you at that point you're not doing a full wash. You're kind of more targeting the, the crevices, right? So yeah, you're not at that losing point, any of the solid. At that point, I would probably be targeting the recesses specifically rather than washing the entire area. Well, you have to. Because Can I also just throw out a claim? Much, you need more contrast. I own fourteen shades of red. Sounds like, sounds like a book in the making. <laughs> 14, 14 Shades of Red? Of red. <laughs> That's oh a lot darker. That is a sore penis. Is oh, that a lot darker than gray? I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, and then you're doing a, a very particular edge height with the squig orange. Yeah. Would you even, would you do the edge first and then wash the whole thing? I generally like to do the highlights after the washes, because if the wash gets anywhere that it doesn't necessarily belong, you can clean it up with the highlight as you go. Mm, very true. Okay. So that would be my very basic three-stage red. I confirm. Would be and the wash. I would probably most I of the time I'd probably do. I'd probably do the the Citadel red um, wash, not the glaze. The red wash mixed with a lot of the time I would use the purple rather than the brown, unless I, I wanted a very earthy color. I used to do uh, egg racks or before that chestnut. Oh, uh, real old ink. school. Uh, that yeah. was how I actually my, have that ink still. I used to do my, my first Soundhine Guardians done with chestnut ink. In browns, I do not like over red. The purple I like because it, it turns it a little bit more crimson. So yeah. like purple and black, depending on how dark you want to do it, or just purple. Yeah, like my, my Dogs of War actually used to be um, like a darker, little bit darker red, but the wash on them was uh, a mix of the brown and purple inks. So you know what else you can do that actually is a really, really nice uh, wash combination is to do a the Beel Tan green and purple. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because then you're getting... The green is the opposite fun. on the color wheel. It actually works out really well if you have a lot of texture on your red. The problem is, is most of the time when you're doing red, you're doing smooth armor panels, and it just gets blotchy and weird. Yeah. So uh, if you're ever doing red hair... Or red cloth, like on my Mercs, I do yeah. a lot of red fabric. Yeah, That's you could probably do that. You should mention that you can actually do that with any color. Yeah, you, you can, can use the opposite, opposite just to intensify the shades shade. a little bit. Yeah, yeah if you take a sure. color wheel, uh, yeah. make sure you're not getting a light color wheel, you're getting a pigment color wheel when you're picking your shades, because a light color wheel is the exact opposite of what you yeah. want to do. Additive versus subtractive yeah. color is very confusing for those who don't understand. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I think a three-stage red is not something I would ever do over armor, but I would do uh, three-stage red on accent pieces like weaponry uh, casings, that kind of oh, thing, yeah, where that's you don't fair. have large flat panels. Yeah, and if you're um, if it's if it's something that's difficult to wash as well, you could substitute doing just like 
you know, your dark red and then your light red and then the, you know, squig orange highlight very easily for yeah. small trim details. So something like that would be good for, like, if you're doing, like, your space room bolters, like... The yeah, the red casing the red around that, casing. for sure. I would yeah. do yeah. a three-stage 100% on that. I think that makes sense. Um, but let's say you're painting a wave surface. <laughs> would you guys ever do a three-stage on that? Okay, uh, that now, to be fair, it, like, that's a huge panel. I, you know what? I would, honestly. Okay. I think you could if you did... And the, the it's like a three-stage with an asterisk... So I, <laughs> I would do the base coat. Your Barry Bonds and your Juice and Hard. Yeah. <laughs> I would do the base coat, and then I would do the shade between the panels, touch up the base coat wherever you got overlap um, around where you're doing the shades. So it's just going into the crevices and then edge highlight, and I think for a tank that would look just fine. And you end up with Steve Zeldar circa, like, 2002. Yep, 100%. Which looked just fine. Yeah. It was serviceable. Oh, definitely. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. If you want to do better than that, though, you got to go up a stage. And that's why this is the beginner stage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not necessarily what would you do personally for your own army, but it just is it possible? I think it's definitely possible to do a so, simple red, do it clean, and it'll look nice. I think Nice, clean red does look good. The single biggest thing to keep in mind for your simple red is that you have to make sure that your base coat is nice and saturated and solid and clean. So you're probably going to end up doing two or three layers to get the right proper base coat on there, regardless of whether or not you're doing it over a, a red, a white, or a black base coat. Um, yeah, red pigment is not the best. It's better than yellow, but not by much. Yeah, so one of the things, if you ever do uh, decide to do black edge, uh, or crescent, whatever you want to call it, like black wash, that kind of thing, you screw up and you get a different color on your red, that kind of thing. One of the things that a lot of people will do is try and paint red over a darker color screw up. And that is almost impossible because you've got to do a million coats. One of the tricks that I use is to use something, uh, a shade like a bubonic brown, which I don't know what it's called now. Uh, desert, Zani Desert? Is something it? like that. Zamizi Desert? Or Zani yeah. Desert. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Sorry. It's a a yellow, mid-tone brown. It's a yellow brown. No, it's a yellow brown. Yes, it's a yellow brown. brown. Yeah, it's pretty bright, actually. And if you, uh, if you run that over your uh, red, first of all, or whatever your black mistake, whatever it is there, if you run that over top and then do your red, you can do it in way fewer coats. Huh. Um, one of the things that I always used to do, too, for my reds, and this, I think we can transition a little bit into the intermediate here, is that I would always start with the Dark Flesh. Yeah. Over black. Yeah, that one, and, that one was good. I used that one. And whether or not you were actually using it for the shading, which I often did, because I really liked for an earthier red, because it had a little bit of red of the Dark Flesh. Um, sure. But uh, you do Dark Flesh, highlighted with Red Gore, for a dark red was awesome. For a dark red, I, sure. I, I like, I'm not painting your fucking Iandin. Like but like a nice dark red. Yep. I would I would argue well. that if you're gonna do anything uh, Tom also does not know Eldar. He just said Iandin. Yeah. Well, dude, they're all <laughs> fucking race well, anyway. Tom's Iandin or not you're Tom. Fuck, no, I'm screwing Steve's up. Steve's Iandin. Whoever it's you not are. Iandin, it's Sam Hine. Yeah. But you've ran them as Iandin. He used the Iandin codex. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a power gamer. But they were the same hunt. Um, Whatever. <laughs> if you're going to do anything uh, brighter than like a, a, a berserker kind of thing, I would probably start with a white coat, white base coat. That would be my biggest piece of advice. Yep. I'll agree on that one. If you're, doing, if you're going bright red, white is the way to go. But same some with people don't like playing with white primer. Yeah, white primer is a pain in the ass. Some people should just buy an airbrush, and it'll be not a problem. (laughs) I still do do white primer over uh, with my airbrush. Like, all my wraiths, you can see their bases are white, because they got white primer. Because it's so much easier to use less paint. Um, If you're doing large areas of red, 
and you're going to cover most of the model in red, and you're not going to have to worry about blacking out areas, start with white. Well, and the nice thing about red, too, is whether it's over a white or a black background, if you're airbrushing, you're not going to have the same problem as if you're airbrushing yellow over black and it turns green. No, you definitely won't have so that. It's, it works out pretty well. But, but I think... Let's you will have tone changes. The difference between a, uh, uh, the same exact shade airbrushed over black over white, no matter how many coats you do over black or white, you will still have one be brighter than the other. Yeah, and I, I definitely do think, too, with um, when you're airbrushing reds, it seems a lot of the time to go a little bit duller than if you're doing it by brush. So a lot yes. of times you do need to do a wash or a glaze to amplify the red before you start building it back up with highlights. Or you got to really work your Xenophil highlights to really make it look like it's brighter than it is. Yeah, even even with like uh, some of the Battletech guys that I did in a you know fairly dark red scheme, yes. they were done with the Xenophil, Xenophil red highlights with the airbrush. And then they did need um, the red and black mixed together in a wash to bring it all down and then bring it back up. Because it did look a little bit like dusty grayish, even with the uh, fairly bright colors by airbrush. So yeah. that is definitely an interesting point. If you are airbrushing it, you probably will need to do a wash or a glaze to amplify the red a little bit. Yeah, the paint just doesn't to get lay some down. The paint lays down with a little more porosity, so you see a little less... Uh, you do see more of the base coat through it, and it looks a little bit duller, always. Yeah. Okay, so... What would you guys recommend for, let's say, a five, a five-step red? Because I think that's probably a pretty good standard for an intermediate paint scheme. Well, first of like all, I recommend steps. get out your airbrush if you're gonna do <laughs> uh, if you're gonna do a larger area red. Get out an airbrush because what you're gonna want to do is um, those progressions through orange. That's a big deal. Orange is the 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 biggest secret to painting red is realizing that orange is your highlight, and you have to do a lot of orange work to make red pop. Or well, if you're going for colors. popping, if you're going for a popping red, like that's, I guess... <laughs> popping red. Th this is kind of the biggest difference, is that you might not necessarily be wanting that really vibrant G-dub red. No, but if you're going to paint like a, like a game, like a much dirtier, darker, like a Forge World Mechanicus red, they do that almost like purpley crimson, I would argue that you start with a purple base coat and go up through red. Another thing to think about is something like Menoth for, yeah. um, for War Machine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the, the, I like I was saying. Those are two different shades. They're two different colors. Yeah, you're not you're not using very many colors well, in common when you're doing that type of a red. Yeah, it's almost like a red wine red where it's not. But you should. It's not fire engine red. It's like maroon. You should clarify that there's two ways you can go with red. You can go to, to the yellow, which changes it to orange. So you're going red yep. orange highlights, or you go the other way, which is going towards the blue, which will give you. It kind of has a purple base to it. It's. Yep. And you're almost highlighting yeah, yeah. up with, like, a bone color yeah. towards the end. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, there are two distinct shades of red. They will give you two completely different So let's results. start, Tom, you paint a lot darker reds than I do, for sure. I really don't, actually. The only difference between our reds is that most of mine's cloth, so I don't have the same large surface area. Okay, I'm thinking off. of the stuff that I know from your 40K days. You paint darker reds. I didn't paint anything red. In you, had, you had corn berserkers. No, I didn't. Sure you did. I guarantee you I never had corn berserkers. Yeah, Iron Warriors and nothing but Iron Warriors. And I know Iron Warriors. And Nurgle. But That's you it. would have had. No. Really? Huh? Corn Berserkers are for bitches. Yeah, I'm the one who had Corn Berserkers <laughs> back in 1998. No, no. But like, who's okay. painted a really dark red around here? Really dark red. Like, how dark are you talking about? Like <laughs> that Corn Berserker type. Almost yeah, that's purple. that's that's yeah. going from a gore. I still go up to an orange on that though. I like the orange really? side better. Yeah, I don't like going. I never really went to the the crimsons and the blues and the purples. It's yeah. always been the oranges for me. But I always start really dark and work it over. And my what do you paint? My drop zone. 
Oh yeah, true. It's, it's totally. Yeah, those are like three brown red. Shut your hole. I make fun of you, but I've painted four <laughs> Battletech models in dark red, so <laughs> four is still more than three. So no one around it's the table here has painted. Three. Why do you think that none of us have really painted dark red? Honestly, Carter, I don't know. You like, think so? well, when I did I paint so. my corn berserkers, I was doing an undivided list, so I had like my one of everything style. I guess my dogs of war had a lot of dark red for their cloth, which was but that's again, shaded down cloth. from scab red. I think dark red is easier. That's no, the I'm trick saying. is a dark red dark looks red like shit easier. from a distance. Oh, I thought you said it was. No, like, no. Okay. Your your bright red would be harder to pull off. No, okay, no. that makes sense. Honestly, what I would say <laughs> is that no, the orange base of red looks better from two feet away than any other red because you're able to go to mm-hmm. a more extreme highlight yep. without well, totally fucking with the color spectrum. Because if you're doing the darker red, you you can't really go into the oranges. You've got to stick with the creams. I agree. And you're not able to highlight up as much without it just getting really weird. Okay, so back to your five step. Uh, question of what what would be a good intermediate way of doing things. I think we need to break this up into a dark red and a light red. So if you're doing a dark red starting with a gore, which would, what would you guys start be with? the corn I think the corn red is the dark Corn red is the dark citadel, but yeah. P3 sanguine base is money. It is so oh, dude, good. Yeah. Uh, it's I got also, a hint more of that brownish purple kind of duller all at the same time. Never used it. It's yet. awesome I stuff. Haven't seen it, haven't tried it. It's sanguine almost like base. a to be used with Menoth, which is the dark red. So let's say you're Almost. doing corn red as your base. What's next? I would probably shade it with Menoth or with uh, Sanguine Base. Okay. Or, or Sanguine Base mixed with black or a wash of the red and the black or something just to darken it up a I little do bit. a straight wash of Druti uh, Violet. Sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good color. Um, I've used it more and more lately. Now, one thing I'd like to say... I used it on my Battletech miniatures. <laughs> I am personally a bigger fan of instead of shading with the purples, doing a purple glaze when you're done... To bring all the highlights in together into the same spectrum. Oh, you can do that later, but I'm talking about the initial shade. You're already at this color. If you want to bring it down to that purple range, it's probably time to do a shade with the. Which is why you sanguine base. But you can you can actually get the the purple glazes, which from GW, which is what I would use as the initial glaze. You you have to mix the red and the blue to make a purple glaze. They don't make a purple glaze. I thought they did. They only make I think three or four primary colors for the glazes. Blue, yellow, red. I've got the yellow. Maybe a green. And a green. Yes, though, there is a green. There's So there's the four that I know yeah, of. Yeah, I think I there's just the four. I didn't realize there's a purple glaze. Okay, well, either way. Um, so you'd have to mix it. After you've done your shade, what's your next uh, step? Um, I would probably go back and do, like, blend up a little bit with the original base coat just to... Keep it dark. Yeah, yeah without, without getting too big of a jump all in one mm-hmm, step, mm-hmm. you can uh, reapply and accentuate your, you know, base areas a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Fourth one? Um, what's higher than that? That would be... Blend and Wazdak, I see. Yeah, somewhere yeah. along the line of your Wazdak or Red, which is a in little bit more of an intermediate. It's not super dark. The stretch between Wazdak and that is not a lot. No. It's very minimal. Yeah, depending yeah. on if it's a huge flat surface or a more detailed area, you might be able to go just in one step, or you yeah. might want to mix them together a little bit. Depends. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is if you're doing this, and you're going down the road of actually reapplying the base coat, you can actually do a full-blown... Uh, wash instead of the selective one, and then when you're re when you're reapplying the base coat, it's almost working like a highlight. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with and that. And then you mix in whatever your lighter color is going to be, um, and you, you'll kind of do that 25% of the overall um, surface area, kind of feathered up towards the edge, and then you can do a bit of an edge highlight to give you a bit more of a progression. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good uh, formula for it. I won't argue with that at all. The nice thing, if you are going to be reapplying base coats, is that you really can get a very nice. Smooth coverage 
um, when you are kind of blending it off of the wash that you did. Uh, you can get a lot of work done with those, basically those three steps if you're willing to do the reapplication of the base coat. So we cover the fifth color that you're going to go with. So what would your fifth final step. highlight be on that? Um, yeah. Honestly, uh, you could do something like this. Uh, is there a sanguine highlight? Is that a thing? Sanguine highlight is pink. Yeah. It's like That's the old right. warlock purplish. Oh, okay. You well, definitely I'm, could do that if you wanted to be ridiculous. Well, but if you're sticking in the darker... But we're, aren't we talking about the more vibrant? Oh, are we on that now? <laughs> Did we totally lose our train of thought? <laughs> is, is there a reason why we're so scattered? I thought, I thought we were talking about the dark one. So, cause yeah, I, we're starting I, with I the dark I use one. a lot of the model errors, so my, my colors are totally different. Oh, so. yeah, we haven't even talked about model errors. We'll leave that for last, because I use a lot of those, too. Okay. There might be some editing involved here. Okay, so the, so the darker, duller red. Hey, you know what? We'll be honest. Everybody's doing theirs differently. <laughs> oh, yeah? yeah? And everybody has a, has their own unique recipe for red, believe it or not. Yeah. There are some common elements, but yeah. I do red way different than you do red. You do red way different than Ward does red. I think sure. the way Dan and I do red is exactly the same. It's it's certainly used to be. Sleep it together. certainly used come. to be. <laughs> I would be going through only the three Citadel colors, doing a purple wash in between, and then final highlight would be with uh, Bleach Bone if I'm doing dark red. A blend. Mm. I would use Where's a blend uh, if I did it yeah. wrong. Uh, would straight, I would, I would be apprehensive to do a straight Bleach highlight. I, no, I would, no it would be a mix. Fle- oh, mix the, fle- the flesh Jesus tones mixed in are not too bad either. But like I said, yeah, everybody's well, got their own recipe here. The ultimate color to mix in for a highlight is not Bleach Bone, it's Trollblood Highlight. Especially if you're doing cloth. On the darker reds, I've actually done models where it is, um, like I did it on um, the dwarf model entered in Golden Demon, the crossbowman dude, who was totally a backup entry, but still got bronze. But um, yeah, the red on him was, it was actually the P3 Sanguine Base, uh, shaded with um, Sanguine Base mixed with black, then blended back up to the base, and then I just started mixing in a little bit of the Trollblood highlight, because it's that kind of warm, brownish, grayish... Just really neutral, awesome color, mm-hmm. and uh, that actually was really all it was. It was like it was three colors in different mixes. It was sanguine base, sanguine base in black, and then sanguine base mixed with troll blood highlight in varying levels. That's all it was on the red, and it mm. looked awesome. It's tricky to pull off because if you do a big jump, but if you mix in too much troll blood highlight, it just turns pink really quickly. So it's a very subtle progression, mixing in a little bit more mixing in a little bit more, then mixing in a little bit more as you work your way through the highlights. But if you keep it subtle, it can look freaking awesome. I think it's one of those things where when you're mixing in the Sanguine, or the uh, Trollblood highlight, put about half as much in as you would expect to. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, like, whatever you're used to doing, just half it, like and it'll be perfect. Because your first highlight is not 50-50. It is, even your final highlights probably aren't 50-50. Like, it is a very subtle, like, barely mix in any of the highlight, and go from there. I it like is, to, it's a very slow progression for sure. I like to paint my thumb at the same time so I can see if there's a sharp progression. So if I can notice it on my nail. thumb that there's a huge jump, nail your actual skin. What it, it, it's all the same. Whether or not you want to absorb the paint's chemicals yes, into your exactly. body. <laughs> so, but that Those way you can actually super toxic acrylic chemicals. You can see. Oh, well, apparently the red, like the cadmium red, is only dangerous if inhaled. So that's cool. Apparently, it's very low solubility in liquid. It's when it's inhaled into your lungs that you get all kinds yeah. of cancer. Yeah, you goodness. don't want to. Sometimes when you're airbrushing paints, there are actual health yeah, concerns. There's. It's actually interesting. Some of the. If you look carefully, this is a good little pro tip 
if you will. Uh, some of the Vallejo, yeah. the Vallejo model colors, some of them have a symbol on the side that says no airbrush. Those are the ones that have uh, toxic pigments that are not dangerous in liquid form, but are dangerous if aerosolized. So if you see a little no airbrush symbol on Vallejo don't paints, airbrush. don't airbrush with it. Buy the Vallejo Air, which uses an alternate pigment and will not kill you. I ran into <laughs> that last night. I was like, well, yeah, shouldn't airbrush that color. Yeah, because the the fire was it the fire red uh, for Vallejo model and Vallejo yeah. Air. The Vallejo Air is obviously safe; it's made for it. But the Vallejo model color it has cadmium in it, which is terrible for your lungs. Okay, so now yeah. I'm going to talk about bright red because I like that color slightly. Um, <laughs> really, it shows slightly. a little bit. Just there's, a, there's little. a few few models I painted that way. Um, I basically run mostly GW paints, uh, but I've started substituting in some of the Vallejo model airs. Um, and I'll, you can, after this, you talk about the darker version because yep. you're using the darker paints Yes. and I'm using the lighter ones. So what I used to do was start with what would have been blood red, which is now evil sun scarlet. And that's my base coat over white. Um, from there, I then airbrush a progression of wild rider red, which is a very minimal progression, uh, especially when yep. airbrush, you can barely tell. It's a very heavy airbrush. Actually, I use it almost as a almost as a base layer because it is airbrushed over it's not quite as heavy as if it was brushed if i was brushing this i'd probably use this as almost like i have a top third highlight over top of each panel so covering only the top is sort of a pseudo zenithal and then i usually do a final uh absolute zenithal re- true zenithal troll slayer um it's straight up orange i mean that's orange yeah it's can, orange yep and then what i'll do is i'll go back through and run a complete wash of purple and red mixed together and so I've done all my recent Eldar, purple and red wash through. And then I either bust out the airbrush and do that progression all over again. Because it's easier than doing it by hand. <laughs> and then the final edge highlights is a combination of the Troll Slayer. Uh, brushed on as full-on edge highlights. And then the corners are dotted with uh, Fire Dragon Bright. So I feel like this is really into the advanced level. Because I don't sure. know if you can do a hell of a lot more than that. Yeah, probably not much. Like, the only thing you could do is that if you're doing that by brush, is just doing a little bit more of a mix in between. So, for example, if you wanted to do uh, my Sanguinary Guard, they were all painted by brush with Vallejo airs through layers juiced across. Like, you notice all the transitions. Can't do that with an airbrush because they're too small. Yep. Well, you could if you were insane, because I'm sure you could. If you're really, really good and you mask things and you take ten times longer than it needs to, yeah. Yeah, I I did everything by probably five or six layers of each color of uh, model air brushed through, and they turned out awesome. There's a reason why there's only five in my army. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like that's absolutely that's so similar to what I do. But I just use the older paints because it's I start with a red gore, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, or sometimes it's even a sanguine base or the the dark flesh. Yep. And then it basically went up to red gore, then red gore is going up to blood red, and then blood red's going up to fiery orange for the extreme edges, mm-hmm. and then purple glaze afterwards. Like it's yeah, that's exactly it's, based, it's the exact same thing with different paints. I skip the purple glaze because I don't want to bring it down. I want to keep it in that orange range, but otherwise it's the same. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I will mention is uh, when you're doing the purple wash, like if you're doing it over Wraithguard, or because that's probably the easiest one for me to think of. Um, I don't really do any sort of intermediary steps. Like I just run the wash over and then start over again. But with a with like a tank that has those very like a falcon or a wave serpent that has those very defined square panels, I'll actually varnish the tank and uh, use. I won't use any sort of uh, medium additives. 
because what I want to do is make sure that the surface tension in the wash is actually as strong as possible and does not flow over the square panels. So when I put it into the crevices, it'll actually just run along the crevices and not run out into the panels. Because if you use a glaze medium or that kind of thing, it'll actually want to run over flat areas because it doesn't have that tension. Yeah. So you have to be aware of what you're washing with that purple wash, depending on how you want your final model to turn out. Surface tension can be actually good in a lot of cases. Ward, how do you do it with the model air? Uh, actually, I start with a different airbrush line, the Minotaur mm. airbrush line. Uh, I actually really like their stuff. I started using it. It's it's pretty solid, yeah. So I start with the red clay. So it's like a super dark uh, red-brown kind of mixture. Like clay? Like clay. Weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and see that one coming. No, me either. Blindsided. <laughs> okay. So I'll work that, and then I've got five five different colors that I will airbrush on just uh, different panels, different areas, that sort of thing. So fire red, Italian red, light red. Italian red. Italian red, light red, and hazard orange. I feel like they were trying to say Ferrari red, but someone was like, that's going to get you sued. <laughs> <laughs> so I, probably, that's... Because I, I, was, I was looking at yours, I'm like... That is Ferrari red. This looks it, the, like... The labels of the Vallejo airs actually rub off. Yeah. You notice that? Yes, on they rub off layers. very yeah. quickly. Just the labels. Very quickly. Not the actual, like, logos and that kind of stuff, but the name of the paint. Yes. Like, they use a different pigment, and it just fucking falls <laughs> off. If yeah. you also go to buy a paint in a store, a lot of the times the um, the scanner, the barcode will wear off, too, so they won't scan. That's I don't perfect. know what they're using in their labels. They're using it is a not good for the labels. That's awesome. <laughs> so then I'll give uh, I'll give the entire model after that a wash with the purple, just to kind of tone yep, it down same. to the the dark crimson, and then I'll pick out like lines in different areas with the black to make it stand out a little bit more even. <laughs> so those cool. those lines and and the deep dark crevices will be the black. So the deepest cool. darkest crevices. Okay, so I think the moral of the story here is that if you want a, a red that really pops, pick <laughs> five colors and go. Pick five colors and go, and ideally you're finishing off with a very bright orange for the tips of cloth and the extreme edges of, of armor plates. 100%. And shading with some combination of purple, brown, um, even a little bit of green will really help give a little bit more depth to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. If you want to go with the pop, I'd stay away from the brown, but otherwise, yeah. Brown well, if you do like too. a mix, like yep. a little bit of the brown in with the purple to yep. dull it down a little bit. Yep. Um, and other than that, it's uh, a lot of it's to flavor. There's so many different paint ranges out there with so many different shades of red. And yeah, it's not like there used used to be where there was literally three shades of red in existence. Yeah, a lot of the paint ranges have they don't necessarily overlap each other, and a lot of them have multiple layers themselves. So was it blood red, scab red, and what was the other the red one? gore? Red and gore that was it. Yeah. Oh, and they had the orange, the one single orange. They had two like, oranges. They had fiery, fiery orange and blazing orange. Yeah, but they took one away eventually. But fire. they had it for like it five fire. years. Yeah. Okay. And they took it away, and I was like, where the fuck are my edge highlights going to go? Well, especially because Blazing Orange was the shittier version of Fiery Orange. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Just put a little orange in it, and you got a stew going. No? <sighs> Nobody? No. Oh, man. So I think the yeah the moral of the story here is you can probably pick any of the orange or red progressions and be okay. Throw a wash in there, make sure you think about your wash or what you want it to do, and you're, you're good. Yeah. Cool. cool. All right. Um, so that wraps up the hobby break. Uh, Talking about my favorite color from my favorite army. Yeah, okay guys, so here's the question <laughs> I have for you. Are you in the mood to talk about where you're at, Steve? Or do you want to save this for next week? So, I will preface this. Keep the knives away from him. Yeah. 
Keep word away from him. Yeah. No sharps. <laughs> the recent rumors. So if anybody has has been living under a rock, the Eldar are getting a new codex. Which will be as, out by the time this episode yeah. airs. Yep. And there are going to be a bunch of new models with it, which I'm actually quite excited for. I like the jet bikes. I like the... I really like the Warlock and Farseer on jet bike. I think they look amazing. I'll be getting one of those and painting those up. They're only like $40. Dollars. So I'll be getting one of those and painting one of those up. <laughs> They're uh, almost as expensive as man-eaters. Yeah. Um... But we can't speculate on the Codex until we actually maybe play a game. I have some pretty strong thoughts. Dude, I, I think there is so much de-injection. There's a lot of D-weapons in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save my, my judgment on that, though, until I actually <laughs> build an army and look through the, the whole Codex and figure out how my army that I currently play and love goes together. Um, the biggest thing, though, is apparently the knights, the Imperial Knights, are getting a new codex, too. That rumor just leaked today. Oh. Yeah, supposedly there are placeholders online for two more types of Imperial Knights. The Warden and the Crusader, which were two of the variants from Epic that did not make the cut so far. So, Even Forge World hasn't done them yet. So I'm, that interests me, where there, there's a whole bunch of new D-weapons showing up in the Eldar Codex. Depending on how these knights are built, maybe and this is ones? showing for a ninth, uh, or sorry, not a ninth, a uh, eighth edition 40k where they change the D weapon table because I have very strong views on D weapons as not being good for the game. Yeah, because D weapons obviously, even if these knights are a little bit more durable than the other knights, D weapons don't give a shit. Yeah, like they're gonna kill you just as quickly whether you're a freaking rhino or a land raider it's a d weapon it's, it's just gonna of, fuck you up it's a game of roll sixes it's what we were talking about it's, <laughs> it's but the thing is is these d weapons were showing at uh, lvo to there was very it was very hard to come by ranged d yeah um as it usually is well yeah because normally Long the shorter d is a lot easier to get to you get can your usually hands find on a short d but the longer D is is a rare beast. But I, my my always my concern with this is the the close weapon destroyer <laughs> weapons in close combat. You can avoid. You can move away from. You usually have an ability to get a like shoot them before they get to you. Or tie it up with shit you don't care about. Exactly. There's, and there's it's going to take three usually two or three turns minimum before it's getting into melee in the first place. If you're smart, uh, yeah, for sure. But the, there's a way to mitigate close combat D weapons. Yep. Shooting you can't. They just shoot you and you die. Especially if they shoot you from, like, six feet away. So the, the thing is, is with all the... all the uh, There was actually a, uh, links on a sky shield that made the top tables at LVO. But fishing for that six is not a good tournament plan. Because there's going to be one game where it does not come up when you want it to. Uh, Phil Harlow's was playing a Scorpion. Okay. Had the same thing happen. There was a few games where his, his Scorpion usually would kill everything it looks at. But if you don't roll those sixes and those absolutely clutch moments you're in trouble um it's it's usually pretty easy to roll sixes when you got a uh, two five inch blasts but it happens right and uh he had some trouble with it i think everybody there was no top there was the final table like the last two players nobody had a d-weapon so i mean it wasn't the be-all end-all but the issue is now with uh with eldar that it's you could have a scorpion or a lynx that was able to fire a single range D weapon, which I think was okay. It was a little upsetting when it was you that drew that player that was rolling hot, but otherwise they weren't going to make the final table. But now you could have potentially 30 Wraith Guard all running D weapons. And I think that's incredibly game-breaking, not from an actual competitive standpoint, because an Orc Horde doesn't give a shit about your 30 shots. Yeah, but how many Orc Hordes do you really even see anymore? 
well, that's the thing. If you see a lot of D-weapons, you'll single shot D-weapons, not blast. You'll see a lot more. Because uh, <laughs> it'll be very good suddenly. Because, um, again, those single... You get three targets you can shoot at with them. Like, there's not a f- lot of variety that you can, you can pick and... Uh, you can't kill more than three tanks a turn unless they're in squadrons with 30 Wraith Guard. Right? Yep. And they're only 12-inch range. But the, the issue is you won't see cool stuff like knights or... Terminators or land or raiders Tyranid monsters or creatures. Tyranid monsters creatures will take <laughs> oh, a huge shit. Um, but I think the the whole mechanic of I roll a six and you remove your model is really bad for the game, and I, I'm worried about that. But I do want to play a few a few games and build a list and see what you can actually fit in before hanging yourself, before hanging myself and resigning myself to infinity. But a game with the new knights coming out and them getting new D weapons, maybe this is a shift into. We've always had only one method of shooting a long-range weapon in 40k. Maybe it's time to revamp the destroyer weapon table and figure out a way to make this work for bringing in all the Forge World cool stuff, which I actually think would be awesome. So what you're telling me is 8th edition in June? <laughs> uh, I doubt this year. Because Fantasy is supposedly coming out this year. So the next Who year? Knows? I think it would be. I think it would be eight months out. I think we would see it probably in... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know You're what's more sad me. that you just I think so. battled that date off or I think we probably see happened. I think we probably see uh eighth next year if this, this time next year. Yeah, which would be stupid. That means it's almost what yearly releases to every two years they're releasing an an edition. Well yeah, because it'd be a new edition every year for the last couple of years. Every two years. Well, but there's fantasy this year too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So while they're selling. Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, though, right? Okay, so the thing I'm happy about here is that Steve might be playing other games with us. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is I'm not going to sell off my Eldar or change anything. I'm not going to... Sky is falling, because, frankly, I think the fact that I have Dark Eldar and Eldar means suddenly I have a very top-tier tournament army. Uh, <laughs> like, very Will top-tier. Will you enjoy playing it? No. If it's, if it's rolling... Like, there's no... The reason I like my Eldar right now is I don't play the Eldar that... Like, they're good. They're very good. I went... Uh, five and one at LVO with them, but none of my games were crushing. Like my best victory was seven three. Like they're all really maneuvering, uh, making sure that things, you know, are in the right fire angles, getting in the right place to drop off wraith guard, knowing that if you don't kill what you're shooting at that turn, you're probably fucked afterwards. Yeah, like that's the way that army plays, right? Running D weapons is just like I look at this shit and it's dead. Like a knight, it bypasses your involve save you roll a six and the knight is just dead it's d6 plus six they only have six hull points so that whole shield that they can position for that wraith guard squad fuck it and the potential for a knight to go thermal and kill the knight standing next to it is also potentially a thing Mm -hmm. strength d explosions from a knight killed by strength d that shit just gets funny and it hurts that happened actually to if anybody follows frontline gaming uh reese played an adepticon and had his entire adlance go in one shot his adlance his final hull point left the uh one knight it goes nova scatters onto the next knight because it's only three inches away it's hit by a d slapper dies with the six it explodes catastrophic falls on the next one gets d slapped with a six and it dies Boom. Wow. 
that's, that's the that's the downside of the Adlands. If you run everything close, if you roll lots of sixes back to back, which happens, you're fucked. Yeah, the Adlands is a bit of a, a concern. Like if things start <laughs> dying, you want to move that knight that's fucked into the enemy's lines and have it go Nova there, not near you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think the like trading a what is it going to be a hundred and seventy five point Wraith Guard squad for five of them for a knight. It's kind of a big deal. And you're probably not even going to trade all of them, right? Because you still get cover saves if you don't roll sixes. You still you can roll a one and you don't get anything. And being 12 inches away, you're probably... Not going to hit get hit by the D. Yeah. You, you never want to get hit by the D. No. No, it's bad. No one likes getting much. Unless you're into that. True, and more power to you, I guess. <laughs> um, okay. So, so I think we review this in two weeks from now, after I get a chance to play a couple of games and build some lists. And we can decide if I still want to play my Eldar. The anxiety or the suspense is indifferent, or I'm indifferent to the suspense of this. Cause I'm very, I'm very different to the suspense. Because <laughs> <laughs> again, like, like what, what the fuck are Harlequins going to do to this shit? Nothing. They're going to die. Like they, one of the coolest releases that I was most excited for. Completely fucking obsolete. What, what are they going to do? <laughs> Like <laughs> they have like string six impact hits or something, don't they? That's useless. <laughs> they well, <laughs> if you want to make them very expensive, their Harlequin's embrace is, are really good, and so is the uh, caress. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it's kind How of. How do I get them there with all these fucking D slangers flipping around? Yeah, I'm. You know, it was a a real goal of mine to be a little bit more positive towards Games Workshop this year. They and were so good! The Admech looks really cool. For, Admech, the, for the most part. And you know what? The Admech rules were amazing. <laughs> there was nothing in the Admech rules that I thought that is grossly overpowered or upsetting. And everything about their rules I thought were amazing. Like, um, the trans-harmonic uh, close combat weapons where in the first round of combat they're AP2 on a 6. The second round they tune in their weapons. Their weapons are now uh, ready for your particular shield harmonics if you're a Borg in Star Trek apparently. Remember, re- reverse Borg. You did Rob. reverse Borg. Yeah, yeah you you uh, you then get <laughs> AP2 all the time. Like I think that's really fucking cool. The Daedalus array on their walker where it's a whole Skyfire array except one has Interceptor. And... Like, so you get one weapon that you can get a chance to shoot something down the turn it shows up. It's not the best. The following turn, it's really damn good at shooting down planes. Yeah. Like, that's cool. You know, it, it's kind of funny, too, because I feel like every no time Games Workshop does releases, it's almost like they make one release that gets you really excited for yeah. where they're going with the game, and then the very next release, they just fuck it up. Like, the <laughs> Admech... Well, no, the Admech book came out. It's was like, holy shit, I know it's a small codex, but it was like, what, 40 bucks? Yep. I was like, I could see this as a small expansion. Forty bucks is reasonable. And there was one release out of that. that Do you know was how good they would be priced. as allies to my knights? Right. Perfect. And it's great. And the, only that walker was, or the walkers were ridiculously overpriced. Well, they are a big kit. Reasonable. They are a big kit. And it's only re- overpriced for the fact that in game they're fifty points. Right. Exactly. Dragoons. Yeah. Not yeah. the. Yeah. Or the dragoons. Yeah. yeah. Not, not, the, not the onager. Yeah. Not sure. the donkey. But overall, I was like, wow, it looks like they're making positive strides. And then they released the Eldar. And it's a $70 codex. And yes, it's bigger than the Admech one, but fuck's sake, 70 bucks? Like, yeah. I'm sorry, that's Forge World pricing for books. Yep. And then 70, they, no. <laughs> okay, well, it's damn close. Uh, yeah. well, Forge World books. It's more expensive than any other book <laughs> I'm going to buy for any other game that I play. Okay, I'll yes. agree to that. Um, like, twice the price. And then they... 
the heresy books are like 75 So the thing pounds. about that book, though, is I would have paid the $70, because there was a lot of stuff in the Eldar book that I didn't like that I wanted them to fix. Like yeah. all the Aspect Warriors? All Well, not all, but a significant portion. Right. Um, like, Warp Spiders were fine. Um, Swooping Hawks were fine. Banshees certainly needed a boost. They got a boost. Scorpions. Uh, Scorpions needed a little bit of a boost. They got that. They have a huge boost now. Um... But anyways, the moral of the story is that they... They also fixed wave serpents. They yeah. fixed wraith knights, moving them to a lord of war. But it's like take every, one. everything positive they do is counteracted by something negative. Yeah, and the, the biggest thing is, you know what? It actually wouldn't have been a problem if they had had the wraith knight be the only thing in the codex world that has a ranged D weapon. Yeah, if the Lord of sure. War weapon was strength D, that would be fitting with the current apocalypse. You, t- you can take one. Especially because Wraith cards are already fucking good. Yeah, and they you know didn't what? need to get any better. You know what? In all honesty, the, <laughs> the Wraith Guard with D size, where they're minus one on the on the chart, that's actually not insane. A one and a two, they're doing nothing. On a three, four, five, they do D three wounds and D three hall points. That means they're really damn good at vehicles, but they don't really change much else from what they've been. Yeah. They're incredible horde killers, and you really don't want to charge them with a monstrous creature. And knobs want to stay the fuck away from them. Yeah, yeah. Units of multi-wound infantry do not want to. You still, but you always wanted to stay away from them because the yep. way that Wall of Flame worked before it was six was instant death. Like they were terrifying before. Now they're just more terrifying to multi-wound creatures. Like I think that mechanic was really cool. It's just the single wraith cannon on a regular dude being as powerful as a warlord's titan's volcano cannon, which. Will be coming out soon. Well, they had rules for it. It went away for a short yeah, period Yeah, but now there's yeah. a model. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. the other Don't thing... That, how much do you think that's going to be? Just a quick quick ballpark. 350. Five? Seven? 25,000? Considering the mantra is $1,900. <laughs> Are you... Fu- oh. I'm going to go with probably five grand. You know what's really sad for me? I'm going to say three. I'm going to say $3,000. Three I'm going to say 1,500 pounds. In my mind, a model that. that costs three hundred dollars is astronomically expensive. Well, this thing's also like four feet tall. I, I get it. Like this I is get like it. Bigger than some of the people who play the game. Not many, but <laughs> some. There is over. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, totally, I, I would actually need to see. Like I've been always saying, I need to bolt these tables down. I need to bolt these tables down. If one of you got one of those, I would actually have to bolt the table down because it would knock it over. Dude, I could get that or a handmade custom base. Yeah, like. The instrument, not like not a, like a base, yeah, not, like not base, base for a miniature. <laughs> Micro, uh, I commissioned sorry. you to make me a base. One, <laughs> <Well, I'm laughs> please. Pay you three thousand dollars. <laughs> no, and you know the other thing too is they released the jet bikes, which look great, but fuck, we saw the artwork for these things like five, six years ago. Well, they came out in two thousand six, two thousand four was the games day. Hey, look at our cool jet bikes. That's so much. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that more than six years? Isn't that a- yeah, man. Oh, way more than six years. They've been around. The, the argument they've always had is they produced in like 92 approximately 10 billion jet bikes they've been trying to get rid of. And, they should have uh, just cut their losses, man. There reaches a point. But this is what I mean. But people, are buying, model, them. But people are buying them, though. That's the thing. Because they have to. Stock, again, people were buying them uh, for a cost you've already made. Like you've already, you've already outlaid that cost. Yeah. You're, you're getting that back. I would do the same. I'd sell that shit before right. the new but one. Why do you leak that shit nine years before you release it? If it was 2006, I agree. Because the guy in the warehouse finally gave his report like two days late, and then they're like, "Fuck, we should have like waited." Seriously, <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's I, what I'm assuming. Yeah, I guess. But <laughs> anyways, so the moral of the story is that this company's being really silly right now, and I'm curious as to how sillier it's going to get. <laughs> Because I've got no faith. Because every time they give me that glimmer of hope that it's going to be 
that much better and they're getting everything, their shit together <laughs> and moving in the right direction, they just fuck it up and make it it's, that much worse. You know so they give me a phenomenal chance, though, to finally get, like, best overall at, uh, or best general at Las Vegas. Yeah, I except that we compete with, like, happen. the 25,000 other Eldar players. It's going to be nothing, this is going to be Eldar versus Eldar tournament. But I think I think who rolls do, the most sixes? I think now that you know where I was talking last year about I want to do better than the year before, and it was like now I can't. I did second for Renaissance Man. This is the best it's ever going to be. I should be able to steamroll the shit out of some people <laughs> until you Eldar. hit the other Eldar players, and it just comes down to who rolls better. But I'll probably have better painted stuff than those guys at the top tables because they're going to be bandwagoners on the Eldar stuff now because <laughs> they all have wave serpents. I've got other shit. <laughs> I, ha- I, I have hipster You are the Eldar. original hipster Eldar player. Oh my yeah. god. Okay, I'm going to cut this shit there. <laughs> 2001 was when I purchased my first. Not, oh, somewhere around there, 99, 2001. Is when I'm I sure Mike said Eldar longer. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Do you still have models that you play with that are that old? Did I actually play with He doesn't play 40k actually, Yeah! yeah. I'm going to. Sh- I win. Okay. All right, guys. So I think we can probably pretty safely wrap it up there. Uh, we'll have a we'll have a more yeah. in depth Eldar review and possibly more tears next episode. Absolutely. So uh, until then, this has been another episode of Hogan in Canada. I'm your host Tom. I'm Dan. I'm Ward. I'm Mike. Ward, you're sharps. And I'm Steve. Okay, paint your fucking models. Hopefully now you can paint them red. <laughs>